sex on a lesson. You know, I really have no excuse because I don't go to the gym. So that gives me extra seven hours a week. But you know, we got to read our Bible. And I want to thank him for his thoughts and especially in keeping with the theme here of the study. Uh, my name is David Jordan. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And I'm so glad that uh, Brother Jerry has sought fit to put me on a docket here to present a portion of God's word to you. And I want to thank the Hillcrest Church of Christ here for hosting this New Year's meeting here. And I've heard this is your first and you're doing the most excellent job. The food is great. You got the food right. Probably got everything else right. And so we're thankful to be here. Well, just for a little while here, and I forgot to hit my timer. Uh -oh. uh, for just a little while here, we're going to talk about a fig tree. That's right, a fig tree. And I think, you know, for us Gentile Christians sometimes, we kind of don't understand the nuances when it comes to the Old Testament. But when we can grasp that, when we can see that, when we can understand such things as a Gentile Christian, there are things that we learn from our Lord that are far beyond just what we read here in this Bible. There's a passage here in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. It's, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, listen, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Here this morning, we're asking the simple question, what is the spiritual understanding of a fig tree? If someone came to you and said, hey, what is a fig tree? Uh, I probably wouldn't be ready, Brother Parker. I've never seen a fig tree. I've never eaten off a fig tree, but I know what a fig newton is. I know what a fig newton is, but that's far from being a fig tree. And so we're gonna, we're gonna try to answer this question here. Well, our text here this morning is gonna come from Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So I ask that you please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse, verse 12. We'll start, we're gonna start with verse 12. And so we come to this story of a day in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus has just been praised in Mark chapter 11 as being Hosanna, the King of Kings. He has been paraded into Jerusalem, lowly, sitting on a donkey. And so now he's, he's been paraded into Jerusalem, and now he goes into Jerusalem, and now he's dealing with these scribes and Pharisees day in and day out. At the end of this day, this is an awesome day, at the end of this day, he goes back to a city by the name of Bethany. And I would tell you, if I had a chance to go to Jerusalem, if I had a chance to go to Palestine, there's one place that I would ask, could you please take me to Bethany? And we're gonna find out why here. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 12. It says, now the, it says, now the next day, when he had come from Bethany, he was hungry. You see, we need to understand something about the city of Bethany here this morning. Bethany was 1.8 miles from Jerusalem. Uh, just for argument's sake, we're going to say it was two miles. So I want you to imagine you have Bethany here, you have Jerusalem right here, and there's a road, there's a path that Jesus went day in and day out. Yes, Jesus said that it is, it is, it is not right for a prophet to die outside the walls of Jerusalem. And so he, he knew he had to preach and he had to die there, but that wasn't his headquarters. Oh, no. His headquarters was Bethany. And so Bethany is 1.8 miles. In Matthew chapter 21, in his account, it says it was late at night. And Jesus still went back to Bethany. All right. So Bethany here, there's some, there's some things about Bethany we need to understand. The Mount of Olives was located in Bethany. It was in the lower, in the southern region of this city. The Mount of, we know what the, that was a place where our Lord, and Je, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would go and he would pray privately to his God, the King of Kings. That Mount of Olives is the same place where King David, when he fled from his son Absalom, and when he fled from Absalom, 
he and the people went to Bethany. The Bible says there in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30, that David, he ascended upon Mount, uh, the Mount of Olives. He had his head covered. He was weeping. And he walked up that mountain barefoot. It was, it was a hard time for him. But it was partially his fault because of what he did to Uriah and what he did to Bathsheba. And, the, and God, the prophet Nathan said, the sword shall never depart from your house. And that was part of his punishment. But nevertheless, this, this place was keen to David also. One of the places which he fled to after his, uh, his dealing with his son Absalom. Now, there, if I ask a question here this morning, a fig tree and a vine, what did it represent to a Jew in the Old Testament? In 1 Kings chapter 4, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 28, uh, we'll start at verse 25, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, we have the story of King Solomon. King Solomon has established his kingdom. He is reigning over all the 12 tribes of Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 6, this is when he begins to build the temple. But first he establishes the kingdom. All right, he has a firm grip on the kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, that every single person in his kingdom had a fig tree and had a vine. You see, in the Old Testament, Jews understood, if, I have, if God has blessed me with a fig tree, and if God has blessed me with a, with a vine, that I'm truly blessed by God. I'm, I'm receiving blessings from God. You, do you know that the Gentile world, they understood this same thing. They understood the same thing. If you turn here to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 28, and for the sake of time, we can't read, so I have to tell you a story. If you turn to 1 King, uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 28, you come across a king by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. He was from the tribe of Judah. He was of the southern kingdom. He was part of the two. And we knew the northern kingdom would be the part of the tent, which for, was forsake the Lord our God. But nevertheless, Hezekiah had a problem. He had the king of Assyria has now come upon him, and the king of Assyria has sent his rapture. That word rapture just means a Babylonian officer, according to Strong's and Thayer's. And so he sent his officer, and this officer is coming close to the wall, and as he comes close to the wall, he starts to shout out, and he says, Oh, Hebrews! And he is speaking in the language of Hebrew. Later on in that story, they say, hey, don't speak to us in Hebrew. Speak to us in Aramaic. We understand it. And the rapture said, no, no, I'm, I'm not just going to speak to your officers. I'm going to speak to all the men who were on the wall who are going to die this day and drink their own blood. And so as he's crying out, he's, he's a salesman now. He's trying to get the people to submit, to just give up. He's not trying to lose his men. He's trying to gain spoil. And he says, hey, you know what? This is what the king of Assyria offers you. Do not listen to King Hezekiah. He tells you to believe in a God that's not real. He's even torn down all the altars. And you know what you offered him? He said, I offer you here this day. Every, every single one of you, I will give you a fig tree. And I'll give you a vine. You see, the Gentile will understand that, man, if a man can, can sit up, up, up underneath his own fig tree, if he can have a vine, he is blessed. You know, in John chapter 1, when Philip went to go grab Nathan, and he says, we have found the Christ. 
And Nathan says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It says, come and see. And he goes and he sees. And he says, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathan said, how do you know me? How do you know me? He says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. He says, my Lord and my God. You see, Nathan was blessed. So in the eyes of a Jew, a fig tree and a vine means blessing. It means blessing. And so there's a, there's a particular miracle that Jesus performed here in Mark chapter 8. And when I read this, I said, man, this doesn't make any sense in my mind. This is the only miracle that I read of that Jesus heals someone and it doesn't happen immediately. It's not immediate. And, and most times when we're teaching people about that's not a biblical miracle because a biblical miracle, it happens instantly, right away, on time. But Jesus didn't do that here. And I want to read this one. Turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And, when, and, and he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. Then he asked him if he saw anything. Then he looked up and said, I see men, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on, on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent them away to his house saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone in town. Hold on now. What has happened? This blind man has been brought to Jesus in town. Jesus says, come with me so we may go out of town. And takes this man privately and goes out of town. Jesus spits on his hands and lays his hands on this man. And this is privately now. This is out of town. Then he says, what do you see? This man has never seen anything his whole life. And this man says, I see men walking like trees. What was the purpose of this? His, his, his eyesight was cut, it was, it was probably 60%. You see, in the Bible, spiritually, we represent trees. A man is a tree. Nevertheless, Jesus, then he goes and puts his hands on a man again, and then he sees everyone clearly. And then Jesus says, hey man, make sure you, when you go back in town, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody about this man. You see, they don't have spiritual understanding. You see, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, the apostle Paul says, I pray that you may have the spirit of wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so now we're getting close to this fig tree here. All right. Well, look here at Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. Psalms chapter 1. We're going to start verse 1. Got a little time. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. This man is blessed because he doesn't do three things. This is why he's blessed. This is the most easiest passage of scripture to get someone to see a pattern in the scriptures. This man doesn't sit with the wicked. I'm sorry, he doesn't stand with the wicked. He doesn't sit with the wicked. And he doesn't walk with the wicked. 
And the Bible says this man is blessed because he doesn't do those three things. That's right. Are you walking with the wicked today and saying, I'm different? It's different. I'm, I'm strong enough. It's not going to affect me. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You're being deceived. You're being deceived. Do you sit with the wicked? Do you go places and sit down and say, I'm different? It's not going to affect me. I'm here to, to help them. No, you're deceived. You're deceived. Do you walk with the wicked today? If so, you're not blessed. Well, the Bible here says, well, he's blessed because he delights himself in the law of the Lord, which we heard from our brother Carter here. But look at verse three, here's our point. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. Spiritually, men represent trees in the Bible. And so hopefully we, we kind of understood the viewpoint of a Jew when he looks at a fig tree and when he looks at a vine. Now I understand the spiritual meaning that a tree represents men and women sometimes in the Bible. So now I have the real question. If it's, if it's a sign of blessing from God, if a man receives a fig tree or a vine as a Christian, where is my fig tree? And where is my vine? If I can find that, then I'm blessed. Well, I will tell you, your fig tree, it's in John chapter 3. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus, a, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God be with you. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said, I know that God is with you. Because no one can do these miracles that you do unless God be with him. Nicodemus never asked Jesus a question. Never did. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus goes and says, Well, how can a man be old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, he didn't have that spiritual eye. He can have that spiritual understanding. And Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, then he says, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. First, you can't even see it. Second of all, you'll never enter the kingdom. You have to be born again. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. You know, I like to talk to people about this a little bit, and I let them stumble. And I ask, well, how are we born of the flesh? There's only two things. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. What's how are we born of the flesh? I'll give it to you for the sake of time. You need a man and a woman to be born of the flesh. Well, how are you born of the spirit? Jesus gave it to you in verse 5. The water is the baptism. The spirit is in verse 20 in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Do you have spiritual understanding here this morning? Where is your fig tree? You see, when I'm born again, when I experience that death, burial, and resurrection, God has given unto me a fig tree, a new fridge with brand new leaves on it. I've been given a new body. I've been given a second chance. I have a fig tree. I've been born again in this life. Where is my grapevine? Where is my grapevine? Where is it? I want you to turn over here to John chapter 15. You already know the passage. 
you know, by heart. John chapter 15, verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. That you are, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, I've been given a true vine. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's my true vine, and I abide in him, and I will always bear fruit to God. And so we're talking about a fig tree here this morning. You know, I, t I said earlier in my lesson, I don't know what a fig tree is, never seen one, nor have I partaken of it, maybe because I'm a city boy from San Antonio. But I went, and I was servicing a nursing home, and as I serviced this nursing home, I got to talking to the lady there, she was new, so I'm trying to squeeze the gospel in there somehow, some way, but I always let them speak spiritual things first. And so as I'm talking to her, she says, hey, you know, my hobby, my passion is fig trees. Fig trees? What does a fig tree look like? And she starts to explain. I said, what does a fig look like? And she says, well, and this is what she said now, don't beat me up. I know y'all know what a fig is, I don't. She says, well, can you imagine a, a small orange? Yeah, I got you. Uh, could you imagine when you bite into that orange, it's like biting into a strawberry. I said, ooh, my shirt just got a little dirty. I can see it. I can see it. You see, she says, this is my hobby because it's a blessing from God. And I said, there's another blessing that God wants to give to you, and that's eternal life, the real fig tree. You see, after that conversation, I went and I dug into everything about a fig tree because I didn't know. Still hadn't had one, so if you, if you have a fig tree, let me have a fig, please. Let me just have one. But there's a warning that comes, and I'm done. I got two seconds. There's a warning. In Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Sorry, I'm done. In Luke chapter 13, verse 6, Jesus says here, He says, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he, then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well. But if not, after that, you may cut it down. You see, God will cut your fig tree down. Now, if I, just, if I just counted the math here, that's four years. He said, you let the fig tree alone for three years. The man came and said, hey, it has done nothing. There's no fruit upon it. Then he says, hey, leave it alone this year, the servant says. And let me fertilize it. Let me dig around it. And if it doesn't produce no fruit, then cut it down. You see, your fig tree has to have some fruit on it. Does it have a hundredfold? Does it have 60? Does it have 30? That's Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. The lesson is yours. Thank you very much.